Psalm 63, if you have your Bible, uh, get there with me this morning. Uh, Psalm 63 was doing a, a, a very powerful work in my own life at the time that Pastor Nate had asked uh, to come preach a psalm, and so I pray that it does that in our midst today. Uh, but as you get settled in God's word to Psalm 63, let me, let me start with this question. Uh, when is the last time you were desperate? And now I, I really want you to kind of think on that word desperate because what I'm not asking is when's the last time you really, really needed something? Uh, th- th- when's the last time you were desperate? You can't fake desperate. You can't act out desperate. Desperate, as a, de- desperate has a gravitas. It has a weight to it. Desperate has a sound in the voice to it. Desperate has a feel to it. When was the last time you were desperate? And now I ask that question because I I believe this psalm that David writes is seeking to reawaken a desperation inside of us. And now some of us hear that and go, no, 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 I've been to the land of desperate. I don't want to go back there. I know what that's like. Because you and I both know often the, the times in our life we are most desperate are the times in our life where the circumstances have turned most desperate. But, but we need to understand something as we start here today. Desperation isn't inherently bad when it's a desperation for what our soul was created to be desperate for. What we're after today is a desperation for God. And, and, and I believe this is so, so crucial for us, especially us, us, us Midwestern Indiana Christians who, who we can grow so familiar and so comfortable in the routine of our reality. Oh Lord, awaken a desperation this morning. Redesperate us. Call us back to the reality of who you are, of what you've done, and of what you're seeking to do in our heart this morning. And so I'm already fired up, okay? I'm a fired up kind of preacher. As I was tucking my little four-year-old baby girl in bed last night, she said, now, Daddy, remember, don't yell at them. And I said, I can't preach, girl, without yelling. She said, you sound mean when you yell. I said, no, I sound passionate when I yell. And so she'll be here in third service, and she's going to give me the evaluation how I do after. But I'm passionate for us this morning of desperation for God. Desperate means this. Desperate for God means this. It means we really believe apart from him we can do nothing. Desperate for God means we see him truly as supremely good. Desperate for God means that we believe our life and everything in this world is truly for the praise of his glory. Desperate for God means that we know we're entirely dependent on him, including the very next breath that is going to fill our lungs. God, bring us there. And as we look to the psalm, we find David in a season of desperate. If you look to that that prescript here at the top of the psalm, it says a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Now, is this the time he was in the wilderness of Judah fleeing from Saul? Or is this the time he was in the wilderness of Judah fleeing from his own son, Absalom, who's trying to take his kingdom? We, I have thoughts on which it is. We're not told which it is, but here's what we know. David is in desperate, a desperate place, and David is in dire straits. And I want us to see how he turns his eyes to a Lord, channels all the desperate that he's in for a desperate longing for his God. And so today, here's what we're going to see. Five words, five words to deepen our desperation for God. Five words this 
this morning to deepen our desperation for God. And all of these words are gonna culminate in this one main idea I have for us today. I was made, I was made to desperately long for God. And my soul rests and rejoices as I cling to him, amen? And so if you would, get your eyes on God's word as we begin to read Psalm 63. It says, a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Let's stop right there and let's look at the first word of these five words to deepen our desperation. The first word is this, seek. If we're going to desperately long for our God, it starts with a seeking. Now, I, I want you to look at how David begins this psalm here because it's so important. If, if we're going to be desperate for God and live a life that's desperate for God, we have to understand who God is. Look at the power in just the first two words of this psalm. Oh, God, this is a cry to God. And David knows the God that he's crying to. A.W. Tozer says the most important thing about us is what comes into our minds when we think about God. David begins with a cry to a God he knows to be the transcendent God. He knows he's crying to his creator. He knows he's crying to the one who sustains it all, who has the earth on the axis that it's on, who fills the atmosphere with air, who's holding it all together. David knows that he's crying to an all-powerful God. Oh, God. But then he says something powerful. You are, you are who? You are who? You are my God. The transcendent yet personal God, the one who draws near, the one David knows as he's wandering through the wilderness, I can cry to the God of the universe. Oh, do we know that? We, we might know it theologically. Do you live like you know it in your heart? How much more us on this side of the cross of Calvary who has seen that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, how much more should we know that this transcendent God is a personal God? The one who sent his son to die on the cross for our sin, to rise again to victorious life, who calls us to himself by faith the moment we believe, oh God, you are my God. Come on, church. And then he says, earnestly I seek you. Not just I seek you. Earnestly I seek you. What does earnest seeking look like? He gives us a picture of it. My, my, my flesh faints for you. My, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Look at how he describes his soul. My soul thirsts. We know thirst. You know thirst. He's using a, a physical reality that we all know and have experienced to communicate what his soul is like. We, we, might, we might not know what it means to be that thirsty, but I want you to think, when's the last time you were really, really thirsty? Uh, for me, the, the most powerful memory of being really, really thirsty 
was uh, working my summer job in high school in West Michigan. I worked for our parks department and my job every single day of the summer was to prepare all the softball fields so that uh, men much older than me could come and pull their hamstrings playing softball every, every night. And so there I was, 17, 18 years old, raking, raking softball fields. And in Michigan summers are pretty mild. They're, 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 it's, it's, you know, pretty comfortable, but there was a week stretch where it was brutal. It was, this was brutal Michigan heat. And so field to field, I would go raking, you know, out on this dirt, raking this. And you know, you're like 17 years old. So you didn't think ahead. You didn't pack water, right? You don't think three minutes ahead at 17 years old. And so I'm, I'm raking this field and I'm dying. I am so thirsty. And I get to this next field and I'm out in the middle raking it and my eyes look up and Wendy Tater, the director of the parks, is walking across the field with an ice cold lemon lime Gatorade. Now, you gotta believe me on this next part. The hallelujah chorus began. She started going in slow motion, condensation slowly dripping off. I have never, I didn't even like lemon lime Gatorade until that day right there. That's thirst. But it, it, it's funny and it pales in comparison to what David is saying here. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you like I'm, in, like I'm in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Picture middle of the desert, cracked surface, no water in sight. He says, God, my soul longs for you like that. My earnest seeking of you looks like that. And so I just, I just stop here and I ask, where are you on the desperately, earnestly seeking meter today? Because you and I both know how it gets. We can remember those seasons of life where it's like every day we knew we needed to get up and hit our knees because we weren't going to get through the end of the day unless God carried us through. But then things stabilize and it gets a little better and, and our bank accounts build back up and insurance policies over here and, and this, I mean, all those are good things. Don't hear me knocking. But we lose sight of this reality that don't, isn't every day a reality of on our knees, desperate for God to carry us through another day? And here's what we need reminded of. There, there really isn't a desperate, there really isn't a desperate seeking for God until we're reminded of the desperate need we have for God. And so it's desperate need that fuels desperate seeking. Can I remind us of our desperate need? We, it starts with our salvation. We, we are a people who we desperately, we need God. We need him for our very salvation, do we not? Take it from a guy who grew up in the church. 19 years of my life, I knew how to crush going to our small town local Baptist church. I knew how to show up. I knew how to act. I knew how to talk. I knew how to quote the scripture. I knew how to sing the songs that we sang. And guess what? By Friday night, I knew how to make my life look a lot different than that. And so every week we'd walk in, I'd put on my facade and every week we'd walk out and I'd go live my life. A God in his grace, took me out of the state of Michigan and brought me down to the great state of Indiana. I went to a small all-male college west of here called Wabash College. So if you can picture about 900 men, 18 to 22 years old, all in one place, seems like a recipe for a lot of wisdom and brilliance, right? God in his goodness, about a week into football camp my freshman year, all of a sudden, all the head knowledge of who Jesus was by his grace crashed down into my heart. He put me flat on my back and he called me to himself. 
his grace pursued, his call became effectual, and I became a son of the Most High on that campus at 19 years old. We need him for our salvation. You can't save you. I love you, but you're a bad savior. I'm a bad savior. All of the systems of religion and religiosity out there that tell us do this, pull this lever, work in this such a way, it can't do it. We need a savior. And the savior has come. And he has saved us. We need him for our salvation. But then we don't just set him aside. We need him for our sanctification. You with me? We cannot grow in Christ apart from the work of Christ in our life. We need him for our sanctification. After third service, uh, we're going to go out to lunch. We have four little kids, eight, six, and two four-year-old twins. I can't get through that lunch without losing my cool, without the help of Jesus Christ. I won't make it to bedtime tonight without absolutely losing it as a dad, without God's help. Apart from me, you can do nothing, he says. Do we believe it? We know to believe it in big things. Do we believe it in the small things? Do you, uh, husbands, do you believe it when your wife corrects your driving from the passenger seat? Apart from him, I can do all things. <laughs> We're good. Come on. We need him for our sanctification. Finally, we need him for spiritual strength. We need him for spiritual strength. We need him to show up. We need him to act. We need him to do what only he can do. We don't lean on our own understanding. We don't lean on our own strength. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so desperate need fuels a desperate seeking. Let's read desperate today. But then here's what's cool. Here's what's cool. Desperate seeking makes way, clears a path for glorious beholding. The second word to deepen a desperation for God today is this, behold, behold. Look at where David goes next, verse two. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. And then you say the word back to me. What's the next word? Say it loud. We gotta know what he means. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding, beholding. Beholding what? What's your Bible say? Beholding what? Your power and glory. So here's David, out in the wilderness of Judah. That's where we told, we're told he is. But there, where he, he is allowing the Lord to shepherd his heart in the midst of desperation. I remember, I remember beholding you in the sanctuary. I remember beholding you. And now we have to, let's camp on that word there for a minute. For a minute. Beholding is different than looking. You look at a random Denny's you go by. You behold beauty. You behold what's majestic. If you're an outdoors kind of person, you've ever summited a mountain and maybe you've been with a group of people and there's been chatter along the way and you've been talking, you get to the top, you look out at that view and all the talk stops because you're beholding something. Only thing you're hearing is the deep panting of everyone out of breath. No one's got to say a word in that moment. And then there's always that person who feels like they do have to say a word. He's like, no, 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 stop. Behold. Uh, it, watch it. Watch it the next time you go to Florida. And you go to the beach and you, you watch the sun setting and the sun's about to hit, boom, hit that horizon right there. And up to that point, everyone's been chatting and talking and kids are going crazy. Watch what happens. 
as, as, as that starts to hit the horizon and the oranges and the pinks and the reds and the yellow and it all psh, clashes together, watch what happens as people just start to go to a, just go to a hush. If you've ever had the privilege of going out on like a deep, deep, dark night, we were in Botswana as a group of college guys. Uh, we drove out into the bush. We, we turned off our Jeeps. We climbed up on the Jeeps. We laid back and for the first time in our lives, we saw a truly pitch black night sky, blanketed, blanketed. I did not know this many stars existed. And it literally led a group of 20 year old guys to go silent. There's a difference between looking and beholding. What's David say he's doing here? What has he known? I, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding. He has beheld, and he's beheld what? The power and the glory of God. Because here's the deal. When we behold God's power, it makes us more and more desperate for him. When we behold his power, we say, Lord, do it again. Do that again for your glory. Do what only you can do there again. When you behold his power of mighty answers to prayer, when you behold his power of miraculous feats that he's accomplished, miraculous healings that he's worked, when you behold his power of how he has drawn a sinner to repentance, it makes us more desperate for his work. When you behold his glory, what's glory? Piper, Piper defines glory, and John Piper's a pretty smart guy. Let's see how he defines glory. Uh, he says, glory is this. The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfection. Said like Piper, right? The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold, multifaceted perfections. When we behold that more and more, we cry out like Moses, Lord, show us your glory. Give us a glimpse. When, when we see the effects of his presence among us, his spirit dwelling in us, when we go out about his creation and we get a glimpse that, that, that reveals more of his glory to us, when we're studying in his word and, and, our, and our mind and heart is captivated by a deeper understanding of the glory of who he is, when we behold that, It, it changes everything. And it changes everything when we're in desperate places of life. Because when we're in desperate places of life, it's tempting to live with a mirror constantly in front of us, only focused on all the hard things we're going through, only looking at ourselves all the time. If we can drop that mirror and behold his power and glory, come on. David says he's beholding now. When we seek, we behold, and when we behold, we praise. There's the third word, we praise. Five words to deepen our desperation for God, praise, praise. Look at what David goes on to say in verse three. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. We, we gotta, we, hold on, we gotta stop there. You, those of us who grew up around church and you're like, I know that verse. I know we know that verse. Do you know that verse? I know you know that verse. Do you, do you know that verse? 
Only someone truly desperate for God can say, your steadfast love, your chesed, your covenant faithful, never stopping, never going away love, that literally, David says here, that literally is better than my existence on this earth right now. It's literally better. Your steadfast love is better than life. He doesn't just say, Lord, I'm going to praise you. He says, no, no, no. Because your steadfast love is absolutely better than my existence in this place, my lips will praise you. Oh God, take us there. And then this praise, he goes on in verse four to talk more about this praise. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my what? My hands. So here's David in a circumstance ain't no one in this room wants to be in, going, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I will bless you. I will lift up my hands in praise. There's something about praise that gets eyes up and hands up. There's something about praise that gets eyes up and hands up. Eyes up. Eyes up. Desperate times get our eyes up. We have, again, we have, a, we have the temptation to focus in on all that is going around before us, but David says, eyes up. My lips will praise you. I will, turn, I will turn my eyes upward and I will give praise to you. And then he says, this praise, it, it encapsulates his whole being. It, it, it leads to his hands rising up in praise. Why do, why do we raise our hands in praise? Because we're beholding something that is leading our lips to praise, that's capturing our heart, that's leading to us praising with a reckless abandon. Now, some of you, you're like, I'm wired different. I don't do the whole raised hands in praise. Like my, my dad, if he's here, eyes closed, I'm like, oh, he's getting it right now. Some of you are like, you're, I'm go, you're like, I'm comfortable as a halfer, right? I'll go right here. I grew up in a tribe of church. You don't raise, you don't raise your hands in praise. You know, I'd look around growing up and we'd be singing to God be the glory, great things. He, and I'm looking around like, I don't think we actually believe this. It sure doesn't seem, I love that song. Don't get me wrong. I don't think we actually believe what we're saying. I remember the first time I raised my hands in praise. I was at a Chris Tomlin concert down at Banker's Life or whatever they call it now. I was with a buddy, a buddy of mine, uh, and uh, he grew up in a kind of similar tribe of churches that I did. And I just remember being at that, kind of looking over at him like, you going? If you go, I go. You know? You know? And like, there we were, just boom, baby. We're free. We were free. We could finally express what our hearts were longing to express. There's something about praise that gets eyes up, hands up. But now, hear me now. And if you're, you know, if you're sitting out here like, oh, it's just emotionalism. No, 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 I'm not talking about emotionalism. Look at where David goes right next. More on praise, and I want us to see what he says. My soul will be sad, verse five. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth, here it is again. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I, re, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Stop right there. 
two, two pictures that we have here, and then I want to I talk about what I think is leading to David's praise like this, eyes up, hands up praise. The two pictures. He says, he says my soul will be satisfied. My soul's going to be satisfied in you as if right now, remember, he's wandering. You think he's hungry? You think he'd love one of those like king spreads in front of him? He says, my soul will find its satisfaction in you like I'm walking up to a feast, a, a table filled with a feast. That's how my soul is satisfied in you. And then here's the other picture. He says, under the shadow of your wings, in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. Picture now, bird sh wings over their young. He says, Lord, you are my satisfaction and you are my protection. And then what is it that's leading to the praise of his lips? It's him remembering and it's him meditating. You're like, Cool. No, really cool. Here's why it's really cool. Because some Sundays you don't wake up and you don't, some Sundays you wake up and you don't feel very praisy. And some Mondays you wake up and you really don't feel very praisy. And some random Thursdays you wake up and you go to work and you don't feel very praisy. You with me on that? It don't, I don't feel, I don't feel like it. What do we do on those days? We remember and we meditate. We let our mind Remember who God is, what he has done. We meditate on who God is and what he has done. Meditate means to turn it over again and again in our minds. And what happens as our mind remembers and our mind meditates, the mind shouts down to the heart, says, hey heart, he's a good God. Look at what he's done. Remember that one time? Remember his goodness? And all of a sudden our heart begins to... And there we are in a cubicle on a random Wednesday, crazy. Because our mind is shouting our hearts, look at this now. This isn't just like feel-goodism as he's out there. This isn't positive self-help that David's giving himself here. He's remembering and he's meditating and it's leading his lips to praise. Oh God, teach us that. So when we seek, we behold when we, when we behold, we praise. When we praise, we cling. We cling. Look at what David says in verse 8. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. My soul clings to you. Don't you love the words David, inspired by the Spirit, is using in this psalm? He doesn't just say, I seek. He doesn't just say, hey, God, I'm kind of holding on, I'm kind of holding on to you. My soul clings to you. Clinging isn't the same as holding. And if you've ever dropped a toddler off somewhere they don't want to go, you know that. <laughs> like, I'm trying to drop my little girl off one day at Sunday school. I'm the pastor of the church. And she's like, no! And I just claw, like leg wrapped around. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this girl, three years old, she's strong. <laughs> Clinging. David says, my soul clings. Look at how he has described his soul in this psalm. He started in verse one, my soul thirsts. He said in verse five, my soul will be satisfied. And now here we are in verse eight, my soul clings. My soul clings. Now here's the beauty. 
you think about this image of his soul clinging, holding on to God with every fiber of his being, I want us to see in the psalm, it is not his strength he's resting on to hold on to God. What does the very next line say? My right hand, his right hand, what? His right hand upholds me. Your right hand upholds me. We cling, he upholds. We cling, he upholds. We cling, he upholds. I don't know, listen, I was driving over here this morning and the Lord's always so good on the morning of preaching to just put some things in your mind that you didn't prep on your manuscript or whatever and I'm driving over here and the Lord just clears can be, I just want, I believe wanted me to say, I don't know where some of you walk in here today. I drove from about an hour away. I don't know, I, I have no idea many of the circumstances that walk in here. Uh, in fact, some of you might have heard that, okay, this is a sermon on desperation. What does this guy know about desperation? If I'm honest, I, I don't probably know what you know, but here's what I do know. If all you need to hear from this sermon is what verse 8 says, cling, you cling, he upholds. Just cling. Just cling. He upholds. The one who has called you to himself is the one keeping you and is the one upholding you. You cling, he upholds. So, this is where David's going. In the midst of a desperate place, he's channeling all that desperation upward to God, saying, I'll earnestly seek you, I behold you, I'll praise you, I'm clinging to you. And then just like a child clinging to their father and mother because they trust that father and mother, they don't want to leave the presence of that father or mother. The fifth word, trust. Trust. Look at David declare his trust and what he believes God will do in the midst of what he's walking through. Verse 9, but those, but those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depth of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. That's strong language. But David with strong language is declaring, Lord, I believe you are my defender. I believe as I'm out here in the wilderness on the run, you, you have this. You are going to defend me in ways that I can't. You are going to bring justice in ways that I can't. You are going to do this. This is... David's saying, this is the reality for my enemies and for those oppressing me. But then look at, look, at the, look at what he says in verse 11. But the king, but the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. He's convinced of it. His the bedrock of his soul has just firmly planted into a deep trust. This is what my God will do. He trusts it. I don't know what you need from this today. But here's what I do know. I don't want to wait to the next circumstance in my life that's going to force me into desperate for God mode. Oh God, help us get up tomorrow. Desperate. Earnestly seeking. Gloriously beholding. 
with lips that praise and lead us to praise you with every fiber of our being because we've remembered and we've meditated. That with a soul that clings to you and with our feet firmly planted in a deep trust for who you are. Oh God, do that in our heart and keep us right there. Do whatever you gotta do to keep us right there, Lord, because prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Keep us there. In the, in, the, in the beautiful circumstances of life, Lord, let me never lose sight how desperate I am for you. And then in the, in the most desperate seasons of our life, Lord, let me channel all that desperate in your direction. Oh, I was made to desperately long for God and my soul rests and rejoices as I cling to him. You there, church? You there? You there? Oh, this week that we would seek that we would behold, that we'd praise, that we'd cling, that we'd trust, and that we'd do it all to the glory of God. If you will, just stand with me. I wanna pray, I wanna pray a portion of this psalm over us. And I pray, my prayer is that as I'm praying this, you're, you're joining me in this prayer. And so let's, 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 let's talk to the Lord together. Lord, we truly are a people desperate for you. And Lord, um, where we have lost sight of that, would you by your grace remind us today? Lord, if there's a heart in here who's never seen how desperate they are for the first time, Lord, would, would by the power of your spirit, you bring them to saving faith in you today. But Lord, we are desperate for you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. We need you, God. And the reality is we need the work of your spirit so that we will seek you. We need the work of your spirit in our hearts so that we can behold you. We need the work of the spirit in our hearts so that we'll praise, so that we'll cling, so that we'll trust. And so God, we make the beginning of the psalm our prayer as we walk out of church today. Oh God, you are our God. Earnestly, earnestly we wanna seek you. This week, today, tomorrow, earnestly. Lord, let our soul thirst for you. Teach our soul to thirst for you. Let us faint for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Lord, we've looked upon you in the sanctuary. Let us behold. Teach us to behold. Slow us down enough to behold, Lord. Beholding your power and glory. And then, Lord, we affirm and we say, we know it in our heads, Lord, crash it down into our hearts where we need you. Your steadfast love is better than life. So our lips will praise you, Lord, and we will bless you as long as we live. In your name, we will lift up our hands in praise. Oh God, take us to a desperate place for you, all for your glory and for our good. And we pray it all in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.